And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Rattlers Reasonless Podcast. I'm your host, Blake Murphy. Joining me, as always, and taking over the reins as the host this week, uh, we're doing a little 4-1 uh, pick and roll instead of the usual 1-4 pick and roll. Eric Green, what's up, man? Uh, does, I, I guess that makes me Siakam and you Lowry. Sure. I mean, that adds up uh, in terms of who gets... Uh, who gets more love on uh, all NBA teams, but but who actually drives the most impact, you know? Or am I LeBron and you're Dwayne Wade? I don't know. I, th- I think we should keep uh, it Raptors. Yeah, I suppose we are the Raptors. Reason blessed. Not much is up. Uh, it's NBA Jersey Day. That's exciting. Uh, they announced NBA it too season. late. I don't have a jersey with me down here in Tampa. Um. Well... Uh, you can always buy a Tampa Raptors jersey? They are, no. Uh, they are, as of the preseason game on Friday, there wasn't Raptors merch yet, but they are going to, they're not converting the Lightning store because the NHL is coming back shortly, but uh, they are planning to have kiosks with Raptors gear, but it won't be like special Tampa Raptors gear. It'll just be Raptors gear. Yeah. Uh, well, as our resident Florida man, you can... Uh, Keep us updated on uh, on all things merchandise. Sure can. Uh, as the, uh, the Raptors try to uh, make back their uh, not make back their money. Let's not even talk about money. Um, well, we got to talk about someone's uh, money, just not, yeah, not yeah, in we the do. Uh, Florida conversation. Ding! Uh, that's the big news of of last night. We're recording on Tuesday morning, uh, about twenty minutes before. The deadline for rookie class extensions uh, of for the 2017 draft are basically rookies going into their fourth year who weren't second-round picks or undrafted. OG Ananobi and the Toronto Raptors come to a four-year deal, player option on the fourth year, which was uh, a concession that sort of helped the negotiations get past the finish line from the Raptors' perspective. Uh... $72 million, which came in lower than some of the other deals we saw <laughs> yesterday, most notably Jonathan Isaac, who who I think we're both big fans of, but we'll miss this year with knee surgery, I believe. Yeah, it's basically, a th- yeah. I- instead of a 480, you can almost look at that one as like a 380 with, you know, they, they get to the spread that hit out because he's not playing this year in a year where they didn't need the the cap flexibility. So that's a smart piece of business for Orlando. And then obviously takes care of a homegrown guy as he as he rehabs and doesn't have to worry about, you know, his contract at the end of that rehab. Um, second rehab in short order for Jonathan Isaac, which is unfortunate. Yeah, no. Uh, and in terms of just skill sets, he was sort of the most similar player uh, to Ananobi. But because of their injury situations, they're, they're pretty different so mm-hmm. i think it's sort of a fool's errand to directly compare the two nonetheless the way that monday uh that being deadline day was going it seemed to me that the ananobi price was gonna come in higher so when you first heard the news and heard the details what was your uh initial reaction Blake? yeah so um without giving away you know too too much um that framework had been more or less on the table for uh, a little bit. And, you know, these things, I do think that people maybe um, underestimate how complicated it is to, like, change a contract that's, like, on... Like, obviously, if you're very, very far apart, um, something like Kyle Kuzma's extension or Derek White's extension, which was four years, 73 million, um, you know, those can change the discussion parameters. But when we're talking that last hour 
uh, and you, you know, the deadline is not only the deadline to tweet out that the deal got done; it's the deadline <laughs> to submit the paperwork to Send the league. To the, yeah. So don't you just don't you just yell at it, make a verbal agreement, yes. and call Adam Silver and say done? Yeah, and then four seventy two. Um, yeah. No, so I mean, they had a they had a framework for for a couple of days, and and I think you know, clutch sports as much as they have a reputation for um, you know every dollar and, and every ounce of you know, concession you can get from a team is their goal. Um, OG has been with Omar Wilkes, who moved over to Clutch um, last year. Since the start, they have a relationship. OG's a smart guy. He understands, um, you know, the cap situation the Raptors were in. And the Raptors, you know, everything I gathered was that if this deal didn't get done, there wasn't going to be that kind of you know, relationship harm that goes into sometimes pushing it down the line. Like it's always, you know, it's always a concern in baseball or hockey when you have to go to arbitration, you then have to sit in a room and argue why your guy isn't as good as he thinks he is. Um, or in these cases, you know, there's all, there've always been the rumblings that not taking care of Kawhi Leonard, um, pre-restricted free agency was kind of the starting of the fracturing of the the relationship in San Antonio. Um, there was no, I got no feeling, no vibes that that was going to be the case here. Uh, both sides understood each other. And when it came down to it, you know, k- kicking in that fourth year option, uh, especially because OG is still fairly young for a guy hitting rookie skill extension. Um, that's pretty valuable. He's, he can now, assuming that the timelines return to um, their normal cadence uh he could conceivably hit unrestricted free agency before his 27th birthday which if you're looking at this is how how do you maximize your entire career earnings you know that player option is probably more valuable than an extra two or three million a year um and then the bigger thing is you know as you mentioned in in the piece we co-wrote you know, it's never really a bad idea to say no to $72 million and, you know, faced with, hey, you can lock this 72 in now um, and you don't have to worry about it. And if you get hurt, there's no concern. And, and your family, you know, OG has lost both his parents and supports five siblings. You know, all of that stuff is locked in and there's a real, I think, benefit to the to the mental and psychological um, certainty that comes with that. Also, potentially a financial benefit if they work out some sort of like escalated payment system where Clutch can invest that money. But that's another thing. Um, so I don't know. I think I think if Ananobi hit RFA, especially with how the markets played out, he definitely would have got more than $72 million. I think both of us are pretty optimistic about what his season could look like this year. And I think, you know, were he... Were he to simply run back his last season, I think he would get more than 72. Yeah. So, um, you know, this is a nice buy for the Raptors, and it's a nice, you know, $72 million. It's not, I, I don't think Ananobi is going to be kicking himself too much because I don't think, you know, I don't think the path to him getting like Jalen Brown money, say, which was 4 107, um, you know, I, I just don't see that path with the role he plays on this team and where his usage is likely to be. So um, I think it's a, you know, it's a kind of a win-win. I, I think, yeah, I think it's a good spot all around. You know, OG probably could have got a little bit more money if he waited, but that's, uh, you know, that's that's what you face as a player in these situations is that risk-reward trade-off, and um, $72 million is a good piece of business. Yeah, you mentioned the story we co-wrote. Uh, you can read that at The Athletic. If you're not subscribing to The Athletic, you should, uh, in my humble opinion, uh, and Gravis Vasquez's, do that. Uh, the Athletic. Wait, does Gravis com. subscribe? No, oh. but he always referred to his opinion as being humble. Um, that that's. That, I mean, he might subscribe. <laughs> I, I don't have. I'm not privy to that information. He should. This so this promo code is for Gravis too. Uh, Theathletic.com/slash/we uh, the six the number six, uh, and you can get a nice little detail. You can get all of Blake Murphy's collected works, uh, uh, which is you've got a lot up there, and we'll talk about some more of it in a bit. Um, but yeah, the. Talking about the deal itself, uh, as you mentioned, uh, as you mentioned that I mentioned, $72 million uh, when you've made, what, $13 million or or $11 million through your first four years, because this year is included in that, 
Um, not that that's a small amount of money, but this is this is where you get to like set up your life generationally uh, and your family generally generationally type money. Uh, and like I've been covering the Raptors long enough, where you sort of see these deals get done, even though you can argue from both perspectives that it would have made us made some sense to wait. And uh, you know, Demar Derozan getting four and 40 hotly debated at the time four and 64, I believe for Jonas three and 33 or something like that for Terrence Ross. Uh, uh, Siakam's max level was less contentious just because it was a max deal. And and Uh, ironically, it's the one that one year later you could argue against most strongly. Yeah. Um, although I don't think DeMar DeRozan's, uh, 2012-2013 2012-2013 season was anything to write home yeah. about. Um, but uh, that's neither here nor there. Uh, but this one, I think, is the most obviously, and again, I don't like putting it in these terms, but like, if you're the Raptors, I think you have to do this deal. Uh, despite there being a loss to flexibility, what we saw going on was... Not only the unrestricted free agents re-signing, I, th- I think like the only no-doubt max player still out there is Kawhi Leonard, who's not max eligible because it's only been one year since he signed his new contract. Um, isn't Max, sorry, other... isn't, isn't Max ex- uh, extension eligible? Extension eligible, sorry. Yeah. Uh, thank he, you. As a free agent, he uh, could command the 30% max, or, or maybe 35% yes. max by then. Um, but, you know, Paul George off the market... Giannis Antetokounmpo off the market. Uh, Rudy Gobert signed a $205 million uh, extension, which again is nice money if you can get it. It's almost three uh, OGs and an OB. <laughs> OGs, yes. Um, this is, and, by, by the way, this is, uh, so we used to, this is going to be a deep di- cut. diversion. No, I mean, yeah, it's uh, it's not even basketball related. So, in, I used to have like a fantasy baseball keeper league, and it was auction yeah. style. So you would have you bid on guys instead of uh, selecting mm-hmm. them round by round, and the price you paid for them then became um, you could we we had keepers, but you would have to pay uh, a keeper tax. So if you if you got a guy for fifteen dollars, the next year he cost twenty, and then the next year he cost twenty five. Um, and part of that system, you have free agent dollars instead of doing the waiver style. And the first year of the league, someone like really didn't have a great handle for uh, how the free agent dollar system worked and bid like almost all their money on Emilio Bonifacio. So the the league's currency then became like for the entire existence of the league, like Bonifacio. Yes. It's like, wow, you can, you can, that's half of Bonifacio. I can't believe you paid that. Um, I feel like Gobert's salary is too much for that um, because obviously there's just not going to be a lot of things that $205 million is relevant to. But uh, yes, as I was, as came up in a discussion with someone the other day about what this whole Florida move has cost the Raptors, you know, is that, is that half a Kuzma? Is that, uh, you know, we we can, we can go this way. So. And beyond that, like pluralizing words where you don't expect them pluralized in terms of OGs and yeah. OB. I mean, that's just um, grammatically which, which correct. Is, no, it's correct, but it doesn't sound correct yes. on first blush. It, it's uh, like when which, you talk about the Plum... It, it's not the Plumleys, it's the Plumsley brother. Uh, yeah. Standers by. Yeah. Uh, instead of... Attorneys standard. general, all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, Any whom... Uh, what we saw was the sort of thinning out of the potential 2021 free agency class. And then obviously you had the Max guys uh, who could have been restricted, Tatum, Fox, Mitchell, bam, off the board uh, with plenty of time to spare. And then we saw, you know, guys further down the pecking order going off slowly on Monday, uh, Sunday, if you want to include Kyle Kuzma, which I do not. Um, so <laughs> Luke Kennard. basically... Uh, basically, the Raptors cost themselves $4.45 million in cap room, which would, is the difference between Ananobi's cap hold and what his starting salary will be on his extension when it kicks in on, you know, whenever the calendar changes in the NBA. 
but not such a big deal anymore when there's not a bunch of free agents to necessarily chase. Uh, so what do you see, the, how do you see, I guess, the Ananobi deal um, affecting their future plans now? Because obviously, if they want to be a big player in free agency, it's still doable, but it becomes more complicated. Yeah, so I think the important thing to keep in mind is like 4.45 million in, in cap flexibility to lock in Ananobi at what most seem to agree will look like, you know, below market a year from now. Um, in a vacuum, that's a good trade-off. And not even in a vacuum. I would argue that in the circumstances we're working within, that's a good trade-off. However, marginally, that's pretty important flexibility. So now, depending on what happens with Norman Powell and some of the um, non-guaranteed contracts uh, on the Raptors for next year, um, you know, that may have taken them out of max space. Now, it may work out that it doesn't matter anyway, and Norman Powell picks up his option or is dealt otherwise, and there's not, you know, there's not that swing factor there, or they work quickly in free agency to re-sign Kyle Lowry at, at a dollar amount below his uh, cap hit, and then, you know, suddenly the the way they're operating in free agency shifts um, but I will say that, you know, dropping from, let's assume Powell opts in, dropping from 27 to 22 million in cap flexibility is pretty meaningful when you're looking at the Victor Oladipo, Bradley Beal tier of guys, um, not only in terms of could you go out and sign this guy to a max, but if you're making a trade, how much salary do you have to send back to make the math work? Um, so this is something I think people sleep on sometimes. Like flexibility itself is not an end goal, obviously. Um, flexibility can't go on the back of a jersey. It, it can't uh, suit up on opening night. However, there are a lot of different ways to use that flexibility. And the way the market has played out and then the Raptors conceding some of that flexibility for OG, uh, as well as you know Giannis being gone, um, I think the big takeaway from all that is that we have to... Um, we have to contextualize that flexibility as more than just chasing a max free agent. So I, I would think that everything that's played out the way it has would tilt the Raptors toward a greater willingness to acquire salary and trade, for example. Um, you know, we'll, we'll use the Beal example, but it could be anyone that they really like that has 2021 <laughs> money. Um, you know, maybe they're more willing to do that now because the opportunity cost of that 2021 free agent class is lower. Um, but that flexibility still helps. It's not, you know, just because you're trading for a guy doesn't mean that that flexibility isn't still valuable. Um, so try to frame it that way. I, I think I think this just opens up the paths to adding to to this core. So you have Van Vliet, uh, Van Vliet and Anobi and Siakam locked up now for the foreseeable future. You have the flexibility to likely add one more piece in their salary tier. Um, you know, now how you're going about that is not just a max free agent Giannis chase. It's okay. If someone becomes available in trade and you want to poach that, um, you know, if it maybe there's a, a second tier guy you really like and think could, could click next year. Um, maybe there's, you know, maybe there's a move we're not seeing between now and then and Powell's gone and suddenly they do have max cap space and uh, Kawhi wants to come back or something like that. Uh, a lot can change in a year in the NBA. So staying lean and staying agile uh, is pretty important. And if you're looking, if you're backward looking, the only real question that comes up that OG's um, extension now casts into question and I guess the way the market's played out is like maybe with with the benefit of hindsight, you're willing to give Ibaka two, two years, but even then... Or a bigger first year deal, yeah, at least. But even uh, then, I mean, like, you, yeah. you totally understand the way it played out. And you can't, mm -hmm. you obviously can't manage that way. Like, you can't sign Ibaka to a two-year deal early in free agency, assuming all of these free agents will be off the board. So, uh, 2021 yeah, like you... is definitely shaping up like 2016, where we're going to see some bad Biombo deals. Uh, Alex Len and is going to get paid thanks to Kyle Lowry. You know, there, there'll be something like that. Um but yeah, I don't know. It's a it's a real trade off, and flexibility is still important, even if it's not for a max guy. But uh, you lock up a guy that you're really really high on for a price that you think is going to be a bargain. It's not, you know, the cap rules are complicated, but the actual decision here at that price is not all that complicated. Yeah. Um, back to the Ibaka point. I, I think if you want to criticize Masai Ujiri for not knowing which way the wind was blowing, I mean that's 
somewhat fair, but based on the reporting done on uh, at the Athletic, like Giannis Antetokounmpo was sort of going back and forth about re-upping or 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 not, and and taking it uh, to the end of the year and and maybe exploring free agency. So, I, I as I. I as we tried to indicate in our story, you can only deal with what's in front of you. You you can try and gain as much intel as you can otherwise, but, you know, this, you know, back then, they didn't know about Giannis, and they made the choice they made for understandable reasons. The situation in a month has changed, and that's okay. Um, and I think at this price... Uh, which notably was the walkaway price for you in our mock negotiation. We did, uh, who knows how long ago? A long time ago. Uh, two, mo- two months ago. Um, the picture changes when the context of the entire league changes. You mentioned, uh, actually before we get to this, uh, there were some other Raptors roster moves uh, on the weekend. Yep. Uh in a bit of an upset, uh, Yuta Watanabe is given a two-way contract. Uh, O'Shea Brissett uh, waived. He did receive a three hundred fifty thousand dollar guarantee. Three hundred. So, sorry, three hundred thousand. Um, yes, sorry about that. Thank you uh, for the correction. Uh, so he's not like that's a pretty good parting gift, but obviously, uh, it's a complicated year to be out on the market now with fewer European options, I presume. Uh, So Watson, uh, the previously mentioned Paul Watson Jr., is bumped up to full-time status uh, with, as you say, a $350,000 guarantee. Uh, Jalen Harris sticks as a two-way player. Uh, What were your, I mean, I think... It's a mild surprise that they did this. What? How? How did you think about it uh, when it went down? And has your mind changed since then? Yeah, I mean, I think in retrospect, you know, I do that annual column every year where I handicap the race. Yeah, no, you were wrong. Yeah, I was you were wrong. Um, I, I basically had it as you know, to in broad terms, I had it fifty-fifty Brissett versus the field. Um, I thought yeah. Watson would be in a spot somewhere, and then it was a matter of. You know, does Ellenson, you know, Brissett's fighting Ellenson for the final roster spot or Watson could get converted or, um, you know, and, and Brissett and Ellenson not being two-way eligible meant that if Watson got elevated, it came down to Watanabe and Alizé. Um, I had, I think, a 2% preference for Alizé um, because I think he's very cool and uh, have enjoyed Just him. wrong in so many ways. Boy. I know, by... by Small percentages. Uh, but yeah, I had Watanabe a little lower um, just because, you know, if you look at his player type versus, say, an Alizé Johnson um, and some of the other guys that were competing for spots, you know, the Raptors have a lot of good, versatile defenders who you maybe need to be creative with on the offensive end because they're not huge usage threats or, or established shooting threats yet. Um they have several of those. Uh, but Watanabe, you know, by all accounts, had a really good camp. Um, you know, well before the, that final preseason game, we were hearing from Nick Nurse about Watanabe. We were, you know, I, I talked to John Mamalalela for my Florida story, and Watanabe came up, and everyone seemed pretty excited about him. Um, he is a really, really good team defender. I spent, so I spent the fourth quarter of the preseason game the other night. Um, you know, the game was pretty much settled at the, at that point and it was the the end of bench guys and obviously I'm watching because I, I care about those battles um but it was the rare chance for me to take photos at a game and I had my camera up in the 300 level uh and what I was kind of found myself doing was on defense I was just kind of following Watanabe and Flynn around like through the lens of my camera and Watanabe is just so solid within the team defense and he uses like he's obviously not big enough to play center and he was playing power forward in that lineup with Alex Len at center. But I do think the way he covers space and uses his length in the middle of the floor, like you could get away with some of those kind of quirkier, smaller lineups with him as a third forward. You know, like if you imagine the, the Ananobi Siakam, Rondé Hollis Jefferson, say, uh, you know, pseudo zone where those three guys just have so much length. It, it feels like a zone. I think he could fit into that. Now, now I don't think his play, path to playing time is that clear. Um, anyway, so outside of the team defense, uh, you know, he's a pretty, 
solid ball handler and playmaker for, you know, a guy who's going to be the number five option on the floor whenever he's out there. And his three-point shot came along in the G League last year, not on a huge sample, not on like a remarkable percentage, but enough to be respectable. And the reports from camp were that he shot the ball really well, and that's a swing factor for him. So um, very happy for Watanabe. What I was going to say off the top uh, before you had to point out that I was wrong was that in retrospect, I, retros- I did have to point it out. Yeah. In retrospect, to me, I, I talked with O'Shea Brissett before he flew back the other day and he said his knee's good to go and everything. And, you know, he obviously wasn't using that as an excuse. He was being pretty positive about things. But in retrospect, especially since, you know, he didn't suit, he didn't play the first game, he was obviously a little behind after that late season knee surgery he had. Um, you know, it looks a little bit after the fact, like maybe that 300K was a, hey, you got hurt with us and you're a little behind, you know, here's a here's a bit of a, a cushion slash thank you because, you know, odds are you're not going to be able to rehab with us because we're going to go with someone else. Um, obviously, it could, could just have come down to merit where Watson and Watanabe outplayed Brissett in camp and... and you know, obviously, Brissett could have forced the uh, forced the issue by by playing better, but um, I do think at, at least a little of that was recognizing the situation and, and making sure Brissett was taken care of. If that makes sense, uh, it does make sense. Um, uh, the thing that sticks out to me, and we'll move on uh, after this, but th- the Raptors are sort of heavy on guard slash shorter players now some of those short players have shorter players have pretty massive wingspans uh both watson and, <laughs> and some and sorry just to interject and some of them don't <laughs> yeah <laughs> um um both watson and watanabe give the raptors a bit more quote unquote i don't know why i'm I, quoting and unquoting something length and size uh on the wing potentially now I don't think either of them starting the year in the rotation or anything, but I mean, it's sort of a roster dearth situation, a lack of those types. And that, I mean, obviously Brissett falls in the same category, uh, but these guys have a bit more shooting maybe and a bit more playmaking, whereas Brissett even though he's far younger, is still mostly a defensive and, and rebounding prospect. So that's something from a roster construction point that stood out to me. Uh, so that's on sort of the very interesting but low leverage side of things. On the very interesting and high leverage uh, side of things, the Raptors are trading for James Harden, Blake. Um Let's just do this quickly because we're writing about it and we don't want to cannibalize all of our own ideas. Uh, But there's rumors floating around. Certainly the Rockets are shopping James Harden. Uh, He's throwing balls at rookies, according to Shams. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's Raptors culture, if I've ever heard of it. Um, Look, uh, what do you think the odds are that that Kyle hasn't thrown a ball at someone at some point and they just didn't uh, let it leak? yeah, well, somebody's going to have to uh, get... Like, who's leaking this? Probably Harden, right? Well, I don't know <laughs> like, if Harden would, would the... leak that he threw a ball at someone. But why would the Rockets leak? Maybe it's just his teammates that, that are leaking it. Yeah, like, like, I could Rockets see there being... Like, if Harden's camp was going to leak something about that, like, to, to pressure it and be like, oh, this situation's untenable, uh, you could certainly leak stuff. But I don't think that they would leak stuff yeah, that makes Harden look that. like an asshole. Um, there, there's, so, look, there's already enough out there that makes Harden look like yeah. an asshole. <laughs> uh, a Houston radio host, and you'll excuse me, I don't have his name, said that the Raptors and the Celtics were sort of the favorites right now. Take that for what it's worth, uh, which is something, but not everything, certainly. The odds makers uh, have constantly had the Raptors in the top four or five in terms of potential Harden destinations. It's easy to construct a potential deal that involves Siakam and Norm going one way and Tucker and Harden going another and then filling in the pieces as you would see fit. Obviously, some draft picks. Uh, quickly, what what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, the big thing is going to be the, the cultural factor, right? And, and we joke a little bit about, um, you know, some of the leaks that are out there about Harden, but in reality... The Raptors have really valued uh, culture in what they've built and, and 
you know, it's just a, it's a big part of the Masai Jiri um, organization building is that culture is real and, and culture is a factor. Um, now, having said that, it's not as if, you know, we, we read stuff about what Kawhi's season with the Clippers was like, and it's not as if that stuff didn't happen in Toronto and they just did a better job keeping it in-house because they're a tighter ship and the Raptors were winning. Um, okay. You know, you also... The Raptors won the championship. Yes. So nobody complained. Exactly. <laughs> um, so nobody complained publicly after the fact. Yeah. But that's a real thing, and they did make concessions to Kawhi. And I think even you look at the the earlier years of, of Kyle Lowry's tenure, um, you know, as they were kind of massaging what that culture was going to be, be like. And even, I mean... This, Kyle has never received any special yeah, treatment. Yeah, look, this is just this is, just ask him. This is the smallest <laughs> of deals, and I I don't care. But he, you know, he he went longer than Kyrie Irving without talking to the media, and was given an excused absence for the first two uh, preseason games. Um, like they do make concessions for guys, and in Lowry's case, you know, he's obviously earned it. You can trust that he's going to be in shape. Um, the team has moved to Tampa, and, and there are a lot of potential family factors and stuff in there. But all of this is just to say that, you know, culture is very important and it's been a pillar of what they've built, but they're also pretty aware of how stars drive winning. And, you know, you can make some concessions around that. Now, Harden seems like, you know, Kawhi, Kawhi maybe required some concessions, but from all accounts also, you know, his, the concessions Kawhi required tilted toward the, um, tilted a little closer <laughs> to the Raptors' way of doing things anyway with, you know, hey, we're going to take practices off for load management, but everyone's going to be in here getting their own work in and stuff like that. Uh, I don't think Kawhi got his own locker room in Toronto, but maybe I'm wrong. Uh, anyway, Harden's cultural question marks, as they've been reported, are a little less in line with the Raptors' uh, purported value, so maybe there's some difficulty there. But also Harden is one of the five best players in the NBA and an offense unto himself. And if you could construct a deal where, you know, only two of your top six or seven guys are going out for him, well, you have to really, really consider it because there you can count on one hand the number of players who are better than James Harden. And that's yeah. pretty much what it comes down to. There are a lot of question marks about culture fit and whether he'd want to be there and stuff. But on the court... The Raptors, I think in the, you know, say a Siakam, Powell, Davis, and Picks framework for, for Harden and Tucker, I think would be the favorites in the East. And that's a real thing that maybe is worth, you know, the occasional... I, Visit to Tampa's finest facilities. Yeah, like I haven't got that vibe <laughs> for the city yet, but... <laughs> it surely exists. Um, of course it does. You don't have three pro sports teams and not yeah. and lack the amenities. Uh, yeah, although you could listen to some whole study songs and go down to Ybor City, which I think is uh, pretty close to. It's supposed to be a seedy little town. I think that might be below James Harden's station in life. Uh, he would be the ultimate test of that sort of culture and, and a lot of things the Raptors love to talk about. Uh, he very much does not seem like a Raptors type of guy, uh, which, again, matters less when you're this good. He does have, and a lot of, the nature of the concerns, as you point out, are, are very different. Like, a lot of Kawhi's questions, uh, like heading out of the Spurs years, and his, certainly, the way he was perceived had to do with an injury situation uh, there, there was other stuff, absolutely, uh, especially in and around the Uncle Dennis territory. Um, but, the, you know, when he was on the floor and his commitment to being a guy who is easy to fit in and works well within a system, uh, that was never in question. And some of that stuff is in question with Harden. I don't but. I don't know if, like, the on-court stuff is... Like, maybe, yes. No, maybe. like, Harden, Harden plays his, his ass off. Yeah, and he doesn't um, miss games. And, and he and... doesn't miss games, but he hasn't played in an actual basketball system uh, that wasn't... 
And, and anything in Toronto would be based around him too, because that's why you get James Harden. Yeah, and, and they did that with Kawhi I too, it, right? Like yeah. they, it's not like I would they expect didn't it to be dialed ice. back from what happened in Houston. Sure, I would just say. Sure, but you'd um, also, you know, you could. I mean, they have Chris Finch on the staff who helped kind of design the offense they built around Harden in Houston. Um, you know, in the theoretical framework where it's Siakam and Powell and Davis going out, you have what you need around Harden, right? Like OG yeah. is a pretty typical like like almost like maybe if he was a, a little bit of a three-point shooter sure but um in terms of what you want from your four man uh around Harden Lowry and Van Vliet either in a lot a smaller lineup together or um you know one at a time staggered are, are kind of ideal point guards next to Harden at this point as guys who can defend and shoot um and even like the Raptors smaller lineups if you if you closed and started Lowry Van Vliet Harden like Harden has improved defensively and is like, like if you're going to get the most out of Harden defensively, it's sliding him up a position where he can, um, you know, use his strength and kind of lean into guys and he's become a pretty good post defender and stuff. So, uh, yeah, I I guess this is what it comes down to is like your mileage with a Harden trade probably comes down to how you see the culture fit playing out and whether you think Masai Ujiri would actually trade Pascal Siakam. Because I don't think I don't think it's really worth the time to discuss, you know, Siakamless frameworks, because why would you know, then we get into the territory where any of these other teams trying to make yeah. a deal for for Harden. No, Houston talk. clearly wants some picks and they clearly want a younger franchise yeah. type guy. And uh yeah. that's where Siakam yeah, comes I, from. I have um, I have very little concern that the Raptors wouldn't be very good on the court. It's it's a lot yeah. of that ancillary stuff and then the kind of balancing the short term and the long term where you only have two years of Harden versus four of Siakam and, um, you know, plus the picks and everything like that. But as we've yeah. seen, if you can open up even a reasonable title contention window, it's pretty cool. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah, sign me up for the Lowry, Vadvliet, uh, Harden, Ananobi Tucker. Tucker closing Ooh. lineup. Uh, maybe starting lineup, but certainly yeah. closing Also, lineup. like, Chris Boucher would just get so many dunks. Yeah. He, like, Chris Boucher well, being... Welcome a, to your life, Clint Capella. Yeah, or, or like, <laughs> like we've already seen it's just preseason or whatever, but, like, Christian Wood is going to average a million points if Harden stays in Houston. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Uh, I want to get to some prediction stuff. Uh, but before we do that, you've been in Tampa for a week now. Yeah. Uh, big story from you. Awesome story. Super thorough on how the Raptors came to play in Tampa, how they've made it uh, their home away from home for at least uh, two months, probably more, I feel comfortable in saying. Um, so what, I mean, when you saw, when you, you've seen so much there, what are the one or two things that stood out as like, I have a tough time conceiving of how this gets done in such a short window? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the big thing is, uh, all of it the yeah i mean really it is um you know it's it's kind of when you start to hear weirdly like obviously i know that it's a lot to build this facility and stuff but when i talked to um garrett mills who's the manager of production at bam productions who kind of handled the build and he kind of offhand mentioned like just the weight of like the physical weight of stuff that yes. they were moving. And it's like, oh yeah, we had like 80,000 pounds of, uh, of equipment to take up and the hotel only has one freight elevator. And oh, by the way, the hotel itself is still under construction. It's, uh, 
you know, it's just, I don't know. It's it's kind of a you know, I don't want to over like it's not like a miracle of engineering or anything, but they were really up against it. And uh, the fact that it all got done, like I was fully expecting, you know, the second week of Raptors training camp to have to still be at St. Leo still once I started digging into to everything that's gone into this. And I think, you know, even the fact that like I would have understood if they were like, hey, we'll get the courts up in time, but stuff like Nick Nurse's office or, or Masai's lounge and stuff like that, like you're going to have to wait on that stuff. But they got everything in. And I think, uh, you know, it's pretty impressive. I, the The arena side, Emily arena side is a little more straightforward because, you know, the Raptors and Lightning staff both know how to change over a hockey arena for basketball and for concerts and stuff like that. It's It was more hearing... Um, on the tech side, what had to go into that. So like the NBA had people down here and you have to get things up to NBA standards for not just the broadcast. And obviously you have to, you know, you light a basketball game very differently than you light a hockey game. Um, but even things like the NHL doesn't use the same sport view cameras as the NBA. So what the lightning had set up had to be supplemented um, so that the Raptors could still be part of the player tracking and stuff like that. Um, and then also, I, I'm really upset. Kevin Priest, uh, who is um, the EVP of events here with the Lightning and Vinick Sports Group, um, he was tremendously helpful to me throughout the process. But I did not get to see the actual spreadsheet where they tried to line up all the schedules of like, here's the Lightning dates. Here's the Leafs dates. Here's the Raptors dates. Here's what would happen if the Raptors have to move. Here's where we can do concerts and stuff like that. I didn't get to see the actual spreadsheet. And I think that's the only thing missing uh, for me. Do you know where the lightning practice? Uh, No, I don't actually. I mean, Hmm. I'm sure I could find that out. But no, no, I'm just curious. I'm sure they don't practice at the arena. No, uh, they don't. Um, I was just trying to make uh... sure in my head that they didn't because that would be problematic they practice but, uh, at a place called ice sports form which is uh, a little east of here yeah cool yeah um what i i mean did you get a sense you 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 know no special player access uh you are walking around in a hotel where you sometimes see some of the players uh and also like yeah what, what's just the atmosphere organizationally about this move right now, the best as you can sense. Yeah, I mean, the best way I can describe it is like it felt very training campy, and obviously it is the preseason, so that that's that's part of it. But like, you know, when we were in Quebec City last year, which is the only training camp I've gone to, or yeah. from what you've filled me in on uh, of what the training camps in Burnaby were like, you know, it's kind of it, it kind of had that vibe, and it, it's. Uh, you know, it was very reminiscent, actually, of when I went on the road with the 905 and what that was like. Now, obviously, the Marriott we're staying at here is a lot nicer than where the 905 stay. And these players are flying in and then renting Porsches and stuff like that, not traveling on a bus. But um, vibes wise, it felt similar. You know, like I was sitting um, there was one day I did my transcribing in, in the hotel lobby because the hotel here has a very nice space out lobby where I could throw a mask on and, um, you know, during the course of the hour or two that I was working there, I saw half the roster walking through just, you know, casually. And I've run into um, Norman Powell and a couple others at Starbucks or, you know, you cross paths with Messiah as you're entering the hotel. It's just, it's just kind of a weird vibe, especially because like, a, I'm the only media here, and B, I'm not actually allowed to go up and talk to these people. Like, yeah. like, yes, if I'm right behind Norman Powell in line at Starbucks, I can say hello and ask about uh, Apollo and Odin, his palm skis. But yeah. in general, I'm not like, like I was not outside OG's room with a cup up to the door yesterday, you know? Yeah, Jamal McGlure style. Yes. Yeah. Um, also, um, uh, this is like maybe more of the the nitty gritty detail than than maybe people need but yesterday was actually the last day that the team was putting players up at the hotel so there is one of the questions i haven't been able to answer and i think it's still being determined and and adam silver commented on it a little bit yesterday with respect to um you know the league's going to look favorably on helping the raptors with the immense cost of this move is that technically in the cba you can pay for players' hotel rooms on the road, but you can't pay for their for where they live. It's a cap cir- circumvention because yeah. you could, you know, get Uncle Dennis a home around the cap. Um, Theoretically. Yeah, just throwing out an idea. 
Um, yeah. So, you know, players having, like, on one hand, yes, that's accurate. On the other, these players, a lot of these players have places in Toronto. And then now they also, like, is it fair for Fred Van Vliet and Kyle Lowry to have to pay for multiple rents? Uh, I don't really know. Uh, but a guy like Paul Watson, who's on the fringe of the roster, like, he doesn't have a place in Toronto and would be finding a place anyway. So I think some of that stuff's being filled out, uh, figured out still. But it was funny yesterday. Um, so yesterday was the last day that they that the team was was um, putting them up at the Marriott. But some players still don't have their places yet. So there were like a handful of players changing rooms just because they had to make like their <laughs> own booking. Um, so it was a little bit chaotic like that. And it was kind of funny. Uh, and then you also have like... You know, like uh, to go back to the Paul Watson O'Shea Brissett example, you know, O'Shea didn't bring his family down because he wasn't certain he was going to make the team. And Paul Watson hadn't got a place because he wasn't sure he was going to make the team. And now this is the week where ahead of the opener, you're kind of seeing that chaos play out. And like, I think I won't mention specific names, but some of the office people still don't have their places yet, um, which means their families aren't down and they might be coming down like over the course of the holiday. So it's still. It's still more chaotic than you would uh, you would like a day out from the opener, probably. Yeah, so pencil the Raptors in for a loss Wednesday night against the Pelicans, is what you're saying. Too much personal stress. No, 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 no. Uh, that, finally, if, before we Sorry, get, if, if that off. loss was coming, it's uh, I'm much more willing to chalk it up to how insane Zion looked in the preseason. Ha- having been Zion. Yeah. Um, before we get to some quick prediction stuff, because, hey, the season starts tonight and for the Raptors on Wednesday, uh, what was it like at, at the game when, I believe, capacity of 3,200? Yes, so there were uh, only 2,400 at the game. Yeah. Um, there will be 3,800 for the opener, and that's sold out. And I think something like 65% of tickets um, for the available schedule have already sold, which is uh, cool. Um, it was weird. It was, um, like, obviously, first of all, that's not a full crowd. So, like, um, aesthetically, the game looks pretty empty. It's like, it's like you know, it, it almost felt like late in Summer League when it's only, like, the bloggers and a handful of locals. You left. and Holly are left, yeah. yes. <laughs> um, so it's uh, had a little bit of that. And I think they're still working out the kinks of, like, well, there's a real crowd here, but they're not loud enough, so we have to pipe in crowd noise, but it sounds too weird if it's piped in too heavy over top of the actual crowd. So some of that's still getting figured out. You know, player intros are going, I'm like, wait a second, that's not Strizzy, that's not Herbie. You know, the um, the woman who's doing the in-arena PA, I'm like, that's not Cat. What, what's going on here? The only part of the Game Ops uh, crew that's, you know, actually there is the Raptor himself. Uh, so it's weird, man. It's uh, It was cool for me, like, personally. Um, so for media, I was up in the 300 level, uh, just a couple rows up and spaced out from other media. And because of all that space and because there's not a, a heavy crowd there, I was able to take photos, which is something I don't get to do at regular NBA games and was really fun. Um, but, yeah, man, it's weird. It's going to take some getting used to, I think. Uh, for sure, for everybody. Uh, I believe there are seven teams hosting some number of fans and uh yeah i talked about it last week so hopefully everybody knows what they're doing and is safe and i worry about this stuff but it is a business and they'll do what they think is uh you know they're in their best interest both in terms of health but also making money uh let's get to the predictions and by the way once again please uh look out for blake's story he'll have a second one coming from tampa about uh i won't give it away uh but the first one is up as of tuesday morning big feature we can give the other one away it's uh yeah the one the Uh, one i have coming wednesday is just like i talked to a bunch of raptors fans here in tampa about like a couple who had went to the game uh friday or going wednesday and are like either Toronto transplants or, you know, a Raptor fan here or someone who's changing over from a Magic fan to a Raptor fan now. Um, it's a lighter, it's much, much lighter than the uh, the logistical yeah. story. Yeah, well, the logistical story is a dense little turkey, to quote Veronica Mars, uh, but it is very, very informative and good. I'm a dense uh, little per- turkey, too. <laughs> um Maybe said a dense. She said a dense little chicken. Anyway, I'll have to go back and rewatch that episode. Uh, 
quickly predictions. I, I know you made them in uh, online. Yeah, but I uh, forget we'll them start... already. So these will be brand yeah. new. Yeah, we'll start with the boring stuff. Uh, how many wins in a seventy-two game season? I had them at forty-six, which is uh, four and a half more than the Vegas over/under, and which I was told was homerish and pessimistic. So you know, you know, you hit that sweet spot when you got it from both sides. That uh, yeah, that's I only got pessimistic low. for my forty-two. Forty-two, uh, which I are forty-two. Uh, it is low. low. What yeah, what I found uh, interesting was that. You had them at 42, but we had their offense and defense around the same level. So I guess you're just, uh, you know. I, I guess I'm just, you know, they lose more close games. Yeah. I don't know. Which what, is fair. Like, I mean, they've they've uh, done, they've historically done well in those and had a lot of comebacks and, and things like that. Like, like last I, like year I they overperformed sorry. their, you know, Pythag win loss by three or four games. So, um, yeah. Who's to say they won't uh, underperform it by the same number this year? Yeah. Um, but uh, I don't think these things through holistically. I, I'm dumb like that. Uh, <laughs> playoff. Uh, so where will where will they finish in the East, and how far will they go? Yeah, I had them. I think I had them tied for second. And then looking around at some of the projection systems, I don't know if 46 gets you to second. It's a little hard to tell because like. I think 46 maybe gets you to second or third because there are a lot of good teams in the East that'll, you know, you imagine that the top seven or so will play something resembling 50-50 ball against each other. Uh, And then the schedule is more balanced this year where those top East teams don't get to beat up on the bottom of the East quite as much proportionally. Like those 10 games that aren't on the schedule this year all come from within your own conference. So um, I think there will be a slight tilt toward the the West being even stronger um, record-wise. Because again, I, I do think the top seven in the East are pretty good, and there are a couple plucky teams in the next tier. But the bottom of the East is dramatically worse than the bottom yeah, of the, the West. it's the worst, worst part of the league. Yeah, so you, uh, you're, you're losing out, you know, those 10 games you're losing out on. Yes, four of those for the Raptors are division opponents. So there's only one free win in there with the Knicks. But the other six could have conceivably been, you know, Bad Chicago, bad East teams, uh, yeah. Chicago, yeah. Orlando, Cleveland, Detroit, whatever. Uh, there's only one, yeah. There's only one team in the West that's trying to be or doesn't care if they're good, I should say, and that's Oklahoma City, and they're still fun. Yeah, they're good. Uh, so <laughs> this is so it's going to be the end of Sam Presti. The fact that he's the only one that doesn't want to be good, and he, they're yeah. just still too good. Yeah, if, no, if not good. Fun for sure. Yeah, there are other teams that will inevitably fail to meet expectations because fourteen teams don't make the playoffs. The Kings, baby. Um, yeah, that's and, and what I was thinking. Obviously, the, the other thing is if the Rockets trade Harden, they float right to the bottom there. Uh, sure do. Uh, unless you are a John Wall, DeMarcus Cousins believer. Although uh, playoffs, I guess I, mean, I don't know. John Wall, Pascal Siakam, Norman Powell, DeMarcus Cousins, Christian Wood. Fun. You can get there. Yeah, not uh, not to the playoffs in the West, but to like the 13th seed in the West. Yeah, we have some fun things to get through. So, oh, sorry, playoffs. How far? Pardon? How far will the Raptors get in the playoffs? Second round. Uh, I have them going out in the first round because I am a hater. Uh, any and all awards that the Raptors, uh, any Raptor may win. Kyle Lowry All Star, Pascal Siakam Third Team NBA if he's still there. Um... OG and OB, OB all, all defense. defense you had. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's it. Oh, Malachi uh, Flynn, all rookie. Yeah. Uh, that that um, one's dicier because it requires yeah, playing, time, playing time, but he's really good. Uh, and before we get to a bunch of over-unders, what will the Pat McCaw situation be this year for fans? <sighs> I will wanted... it just be Pat McCaw or will there be a new one? I think fans are going to come around on Patrick McCaw because – the team has so much backcourt depth that Nick Nurse just isn't going to be able to play him 20 minutes a game when he's healthy. Yeah. Like DeAndre Bembry is just better Patrick McCaw. And then there's also Malachi Flynn and they have a really crowded backcourt. I guess what I'm asking is, will there be a similar lightning rod conversation going on about anybody or anything? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, there I always that's, is. That's hard to per- that's hard to predict. Yeah, there the, always will right. be. I, I think that you know we got it a little bit with the roster decisions. People mad that Stanley Johnson is still on the roster, but that three point eight million could be helpful in trade. Um, so I will say, if Stanley is on the roster post deadline, he's going to get it. Even though you know he only played a hundred minutes last yeah. year, people got to re- overreact somewhere. Um, I could yeah. see the the Len Boucher backup center situation being an argument at some point too. 
Uh, yeah. Because I only say this, I only ask you this on the spot because you nailed Macaw last year yeah. uh, in terms of it being it. So I wanted, uh, I wanted to see if you have that uh, second year in you. Uh, and I'm with you on the center spot. It could totally become that, although I'm not sure in which direction. Uh, I think more likely is Boucher should be playing more, Len should be playing less, but I'm not positive. Um, okay, quick over-unders. Uh, Pascal Siakam averaged 35.7 points, rebounds, and assists per game last year. Over or under? Over slightly, but more uh, efficiently. His- his true shooting percentage, good uh, anticipation. Uh, last year, 55.4, lower than that in the playoffs. His most improved year, 62.8. I'm setting the true shooting percentage over under at 57. Ooh, that's going to be tight. I will say slightly under, but higher than last year. So in that 55 to 57 band. Okay. Kyle Lowry drew 34 charges in 58 games last year, Jesus. leading the league. Uh, I'm setting the over-under at 30, uh, over-under. I'm going to say under just because Baines has been a top 10 charge drawer the last couple years too. And there's just, there's a, there aren't diminishing returns. Those are still possessions, but there's only so much space to occupy there. And Baines could command more of it by way of being three times the size of Kyle Lowry. OG Ananobi's career high for a season and usage percentage is 15.5, over or under? Over. Matt Thomas averaged 1.13 pointers made in 10.7 minutes per game last year. Will he be over or under 1.4 this year? Um, Are we, how are we treating DNP CDs for this? Uh, Not a game. Okay, uh, then over. Um, will Nick Nurse, this is not an over-under, enter a Jimmy Buffett phase living in Florida and become a parrot head? Uh, no. Um, but I will say, yeah, I could see him pushing the limits of the new rules that coaches don't have to wear suits, though. <laughs> to what extent? I don't know. I could just, like... Would it you you mentioned Jimmy Buffett? Would it be all that surprising if Nick tried to get away with uh, like a Tommy Bahama shirt <laughs> and khakis? Yeah. Do you remember like the Raptors uh, Clippers games in Hawaii? Yes. I, I think uh, Doc. I don't remember if Dwayne was wearing like a Hawaiian shirt, but Doc Rivers certainly was. <laughs> yeah. uh, over under on Tom Brady appearances at Raptors games zero point five. Under. Broken ballroom chandeliers zero point five. Ooh, uh, I'm going to say over, but it never gets out. <laughs> they, they keep it. So unprovable. Yes. <laughs> uh, and my last one, Paul Watson leads the team in scoring 0.5 games. Oh, I'll say, I'll say over, you know, there's going to be, we don't have the second half of the schedule yet, but you know, they're playing Miami in a meaningless game at the end of the season where someone's going to get hurt and, and Watson will drop like 25 in it. Or the equivalent of the Raptors, a hundred point bench game, yes, game four exactly. against the Nets. Uh, that's all I got for you. You uh, you have any parting thoughts or any questions you want to put me on the spot with? We're, we're, we need to get to the end here. Sure. Um, the Raptors have lost a lot of their uh, media quote equity over the last couple of years. <sighs> At what point in the season does? Fred Van Vliet finally tire <laughs> of being the only guy we ask for after games. Um, well, Aaron Baines is going to help there, I would say. Uh, it's sort of, need you, he needs to have a bigger role, and I think he's going to be the starting center for a while. Um, and, and, you know, the one-week break in there will help. But And this also ties in with how, let's say, cooperative Kyle Lowry is. Uh, so let's go mm, early April. Okay, that's fair. Um, Kyle Lowry will not be cooperative, is my guess. <laughs> I said how cooperative, <laughs> not, not, not will he be cooperative. Um, and then I guess the, the other big one I have for you is uh, Malachi Flynn games played, uh, let's say, 45 and a half over under. Yeah, I'll take... I'll take the over 
injuries. Yeah, uh, injuries. The G yeah. League being a bubble complicates things because you're probably going to have to send him for the whole time if he goes. Yeah, I, I that's a good one. I'll take slightly over, but I don't feel good about it at all. All right. I think that's all I got. All right. Well, uh, we're also play. pushing an hour here, so. Yeah, stay safe. Um, get home safely. To our lovely listeners, happy holidays. Merry Christmas if you're celebrating. Uh, happy Boxing Day shopping online if that's a thing you do. Blake, thanks for taking time out of your busy Florida man schedule to be here. Yeah, just hanging in the hotel room and going back and forth to uh, the arena and Starbucks because I'm afraid to go anywhere else. That's valid. Stay safe for the rest of your time there. Listeners, have a safe and happy and responsible holiday season. Uh, And we'll talk to you at some point next week when we are uh, both hopefully... I mean, I, I have no plans to go anywhere, but you should be back in the six. Uh, happy holidays, all. See ya! As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.